0: Hello and welcome to More Than A Game, a podcast about the A-League, Premier League and more. Um, Of course, I'm Tommy C and we're here today to chat all things A-League Grand Final and wrap up the season that was 2021 um, and also about three days of 2020. Um, We've got a large panel today. Uh, Everyone uh, is on board. We've got Colby from his new home in sunny Queensland. Evening, Tommy. Got Big Daddy Damo.
1: I'm here. I'm back with the Bundes. (laughs) (laughs)
0: And, of course, our own JF7, Jesse. G'day, man. Very good. All right, boys. Um, Look, no moment of the week or own goal this this time around. Uh, We've got a bumper pod of uh, grand final chat. So uh, let's just get into the grand final, shall we? Um, Sunday afternoon saw the final conclusion to the A-League season as Melbourne City hosted Sydney at Amy Park. This match was mired uh, by Sydney fans not being able to attend due to lockdown restrictions in Sydney and New South Wales. Um, however, Melbourne fans were able to attend, uh, but the stadium attendance was capped at 50% of capacity. So there was about 15,000 people in the ground. Boys, um, obviously the uh, the lead up to the match was really sort of clouded by, by COVID and whether or not fans would be able to attend at all, where the game would actually be held. Um, first of all, do you, do you guys think the lack of traveling support from Sydney puts a bit of an asterisk um next to next to this win for City? Nope.
2: Yeah,
1: Jesse Damo,
0: not. you agree with that?
1: Yeah, definitely not. Well, I mean it, it was good. It was <laughs> good. I mean, I mean, there was still a fair contingent of Sydney fans there that obviously live locally, but yeah, it was kind of good to see a really one sided crowd for Melbourne City for once.
0: It's not I often mean, how that, many uh, finals Tennessee in multiple ready? coats. It's not. How many finals and multiple
3: oh, codes have been?
0: <laughs> Go on, Jesse, finish it off, mate.
3: How, how many finals and multiple codes have we seen in Sydney? It's it's mm. it's been the place where we played all our finals for years and years and years. We have one final down here, and um, everyone loses their shit. So I don't think there's any issue with it. Well, even the
0: Asian Cup final was in Sydney, wasn't it? Mm. And, uh, boys, what did, what, did, what did you make of the atmosphere at the game? Uh, Colby, I'll let you go first since uh, you, you watched this one on TV. What did you think?
2: Oh, when my ears weren't bleeding from the final ever Fox broadcast, uh, <laughs> the, the crowd sounded pretty, pretty special. Um, I, I'd forgotten what a really, like, pumped up A-league crowd sounded like because I don't think we really got that all season other than those couple of um, Wellington games that were, that were really big. Um, you know, in the two games that the Knicks were able to play over in New Zealand, um, we, we haven't really had a game like that this season, including finals, which have all been quite underwhelming in terms of atmosphere, I have to say. Um, but the uh, City game on, on Sunday was brilliant. Um, that 15,000 sounded like a full Amy Park. It was it was absolutely great. I'd be interested to hear what it was like at the stadium.
0: Damo, come on, mate. What did you, what did you think of uh, the, the atmosphere at the ground?
1: Yeah, it was great. Um, I thought that the you know, all the flamethrowers and smoke machines and the bands they had on either end of the of the ground were uh, was quite loud at times. You couldn't hear yourself talking or thinking from that. Uh, and, and if it wasn't the fans making a hell of a noise, it was that. So yeah, it was real kind of big bash areas at times, but it was it was great entertainment and um yeah, Paramount was a great, great night. <laughs> it was a great night.
0: Yeah, the only thing missing was like some BMX bikes doing backflips and stuff, right? That's
3: what it's going to be like next season. It's always ten a,
2: ten. Paramount coming in hot.
3: It's not a big, it's not a big bash, it's not a big bash areas until like the goals light up when the ball goes in. Yeah, the thing, yeah goes, they, they got, got lights on them. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Hit it in the KFC zinger net. <laughs>
0: Oh fuck! I, yeah. I'm, I'm so yeah, triggered yeah, already I get around that. <laughs> Is that what it's gonna be like when when someone scores? Oh wow, what a zinger there.
2: <laughs>
0: I hate myself for even thinking uh, it. Yeah. Nah, I love it. Love it. All right, boys. Uh to the match though, shall we? Um boys, uh, did you guys think that uh City would deserve winners in the end, Jesse? Yeah, I did. Um I think the quality, I mean it's a shame that it's always
3: a shame when a major game has a, a red card. Um, it just it always seems to be like a scapegoat for the team that loses. Um, in this case, I think that if there had been eleven on eleven, I think I still think City would have had the quality in the end. And um, they just wanted it more, just to use a Tommyism. <laughs> um, and the fact that they lost uh, the previous year clearly uh, gave them that motivation to to get up, and Sydney couldn't match it.
0: It's it's a good point you raise about the uh, the red card because I mean often sometimes people will say that like that red card like ruined the game or something to that effect right? Um, but I mean, did you guys think that the red card was was justified? I mean, could it have been two red cards almost?
2: Yeah, it was a red it was a red card and a half. I thought um, when you when you tally it all up and and I mean it's it's been it's been spoken about quite a bit since in, in the days since, but you know. Um, someone with Bratton's experience should have known, especially after he pretty much got off the hook with the first one, where when he goes in on um um O'Neal with the the studs up, if he's got him there, that's a red card. And that that should have really been his warning and his and his wake up call. And it wasn't, um and and then he, he went off. But in terms of whether it changed the game or not, like City had already equalized by this point and, and were on top the whole game. Like the Sydney goal was against the run of play and um and, and City other than that were all over them. So I mean yes it changed the game, but I mean it didn't really um it didn't really change where where City were at.
0: Boys, any other any other thoughts on the red card? I,
1: and I said this to you during the game, Tommy. I thought the, the second yellow card was harsh, um, especially for for a final or a big game, you kind of, you want to see those play on. But, but then I also said kind of to mirror Colby's uh, point that, you know, a player of Bratton's experience, he, he was almost like a deer in headlights in that grand final. He, he shouldn't go into a challenge the way he did went on a yellow card. So he's got no one to blame for that second yellow card, but himself. And that's and great really-
2: refereeing, Damo, as well, like um, to to stand up in that moment and give the yellow and not sort of um, referee the occasion. He refereed the match and sort of just thought, well, you know, any other match, any other time, in, in his view, this was a yellow. So here you go, second yellow, off you go. Damo, I'm
0: assuming you have seen a replay of the second yellow since, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I still think that he tucked his legs in and his momentum of just going through the ground took him through the player, but you know, each to their own football's a game of opinions. That's why we like it.
0: Yeah. So um uh it's wow. good you're giving us some more feedback, uh some more uh more uh, content for the tapes for, for the preseason pod next year and we can we can roll that terrible take as well. <laughs> just just for all the podcast listeners,
3: you know, uh Tommy's had his hand over his mouth and shock. Um I wish we could actually do audio emojis um <laughs> just, just just to keep you in the loop of what's going on. But yeah, there's a bit of
0: controversy here. Yeah, wow. Um, uh, I think at the time, I think I just blocked that out that you said that at the game demo because, uh, I mean, if, if I had uh, had my wits about me, I guess at the time, I, I probably would have taken my eyes off the game for a good 30 seconds and been just like, the hell <laughs> but anyway all uh moving on though there were obviously a couple more sort of big moments in the game second one uh i guess the the main one uh affecting sydney uh was their non-penalty um or the the penalty that wasn't given um boys did you guys think about uh do you think this was a, a fair shout that it, it wasn't a pen or is just sydney just saying oh well they got a pen so we should get a pen
2: never a pen never yeah, a it was it was, it was looking
1: for the contact and the uh, I can't I can't remember who the city defender was but he really jumped out of the way and and the Sydney guy went over so yeah never a penalty for me
2: Great. Sydney spent yeah. half the game trying to get uh, a pen back and trying to get a makeup red back and it was only you know towards the end of the second half where they started thinking oh well we shouldn't be just be playing for a makeup call we should actually just start playing football and And that's really when they started playing football. But, you know, they were just so rattled after Bratton got sent off. And understandably so. But, like, it took me, it took them much longer than I had thought to really snap back from that.
0: Fair enough, uh, and boys, the the final, I guess, blow as far as Sydney were concerned was uh, that injury time uh, uh, goal for Scott Galloway, um, who really sort of showed his value to the squad um, by securing the win for for City and and showed that this was a real squad performance by by City, not just uh, sort of the eleven that were out on the pitch. Yeah, well deserved. Um, Boys, uh, there's a couple of things I want to throw out there before before we move on. The first one is about uh, two stats uh, that came out that I only caught in probably the last 24 hours about the number of grand final losses that this uh, City squad, in particular two players. Um, I, I did not know this uh, prior to the last 24 hours, but Ross and Griffiths apparently has lost four grand finals and Scott Jamison has lost five. I mean... I don't know about you guys, but I don't know if I've ever played in like five grand finals in my life, let alone lost five. Um <laughs> but, boys,
3: uh, but sorry, go on, David. Was, uh, was Scott Jemison as jacked up in those other grand finals as he was in this one though? I mean, the man looked like he'd eaten a couple of cows before the game because he was just <laughs> he was he was pumped up and um it was pretty intimidating to be honest. So I just wonder if he was as jacked up in, in, in the past. Did he
0: maybe eat one of the bulls last week? Is that what you're getting at?
1: Yeah. yeah. Well, Connor Metcalf was missing. Maybe he ate a calf.
2: <laughs> that's that's Connor cow. thank you. Yeah. No. He's, oh, he's, he, if he's, he, uh, boys, boys, I believe if, if he's been killed, it's, it'd be Connor veal. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, uh, any of our uh, Animal Activist listeners uh, who might have been tuning in have just tuned out. So, uh, yeah. Sorry to peel that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> very good all right boys um look I, I don't have anything else about the grand final did anyone else have anything else that they particularly wanted to discuss
2: yeah i've got one um, thing tommy go I've on got my, one one minor gripe about the grand final because it was a it was a great occasion great game great atmosphere excellent result um you know excellent to see sydney miss out on the hashtag three pete hashtag champion with a five at the end um just like i'm all about it they've been very quiet on social media all of their fans so i'm very happy about that my one minor gripe is why is this tilio sliding in to keep the ball in a bigger viral moment than like kolokovsky transition to the atkinson goal or some of the other great moments from the game all i keep seeing on social media is this like cool slide that tilio did i'm (laughs) like come on mate it was like pretty impressive but show us something from the game
0: <laughs> I think it even got featured on like Bleacher Report and like so it's like it's gone global like this one slide right and I guess it was kind of good but like for it to be the one moment that people have sort of taken away from the game is kind of strange I agree everyone wants a scorpion kick moment <laughs> all the um all the media communications
3: managers for every club is just noting down that the audience wants slides we'll give them more slides
1: <laughs> um, <laughs> Oh, Paramount! Take note. They'll just have like uh, slides coming in over the goalposts. <laughs> little little kids coming in on slides
2: <laughs> over the zinger <thingy> nets. <laughs> they'll, be, they'll be doing like
0: the the pregame uh, pregame show on PowerPoint. So after everyone was like, "More slides, need more slides." <laughs> oh God, geez. <laughs> Gee geezers. It also it did seem like just like a real G up about um uh no, I've lost my point. Lost my train of thought.
2: Sorry. <laughs> um, right, boys. that out Tommy don't worry <laughs> yeah.
0: the, the magic of I was going to say television YouTube but anyway uh, all right boys any, any other final shouts
1: not for me all right
0: uh, alrighty, time to move on to A League review time now, or the season review. Uh, so a few points, I guess, from this season. Obviously, it's been a lot of fun this season. I know everyone has really enjoyed it. Out of the four of us, uh, I know a lot of uh, regular watchers of the A League have really enjoyed it. They've enjoyed the the focus on youth, uh, with a lot, of, I guess, of sort of the dead weight um, being moved on. Um, we, we've seen how there hasn't necessarily been great crowds. And that's uh, largely down to to COVID, um, and we'll talk. A a little bit more about uh, foreigners, we'll talk about the TV deal, Johnny Warren medals and coach of the year. Um, but, look, let's let's start with uh, with what I mentioned at the top then about the the focus on youth, I guess, this season. And, boys, I just want to roll out a couple of stats um, for you. Uh, so 32% of all minutes played in the A-League this year were by Australian under-23 players, so that's a third of the league, um, and that's up from 18% last year. Thirty um, percent of all starts were by Australian under twenty-three players. That's pretty commensurate with the, the previous stat. That's up from sixteen percent, so pretty much doubled. Um, Forty-two Australian under twenty-three players played more than a thousand minutes, up from twenty-two, almost doubled over last year. Um, and eight Australian under twenty-three players played more than two thousand minutes this year, which is um, an eightfold increase over last year. So, like that, that just puts into I guess perspective how how. Big, uh, um, how, how much, uh, how many more minutes uh, Australian young players have actually played this season? And I think a lot of us have really enjoyed that. Like we've watched the likes of we've we've enjoyed the likes of Telio coming into into the league, and and these new players who we don't necessarily know much about. Um, uh, boys, any anything else you want to add about that? Any particular players that you've you've enjoyed uh, particularly following, or the emergence of them, or Colby? I mean, yeah, you look yeah, pretty totally. keen right now.
2: Um, just, just on that, um, the, I was interested to hear all of those points about just how many more minutes um, the the youth players have been playing, and like you said, there's been double the amount of um, youth players that have been playing like big minutes. Um, I think the the real proof of um, whether this is any good or not um, in terms of for our youth development will really be at the Olympics, won't it, given that 13 of 18 of the um players selected for the Oli squad um, to go over to Tokyo or from the A League. So I guess we'll really see what a difference this is make what this is made in the in the performance that we're going to see there.
1: Yeah well, definitely the... made it definitely made Arnie's job a lot more difficult um to pick that Oli squad. It you know, twelve months ago it might have seemed like that was an easy job um to pick that, that line up but you know, I think I think you said Tommy there was um, forty-two under twenty-three players that played more than a thousand minutes. You know that that would be the pool of players you're looking at to pick eighteen from. So, and then including a couple of overage players, you're only picking fifteen to sixteen actually. So, yeah, he he had a think, uh, he had a, had a tough decision to make.
3: It's interesting. Like I think what you, the point you made there, Colby, is really salient to do with international football. But I think in the interim, like. The value that it's added to the league um, has been has been a lot of value because that's actually one of the main focuses we had in the A-League preview. So like, well, if we can't get all these um, foreign players to come in and get them to stick, what are we going to do? We're going to have to tap into the youth. And we all agreed at the time that we thought that would be a good thing for the A-League. Um, I think now sitting back and re- reflecting on the season, I think we can all agree that it has been a good thing for the
0: A-League uh, reflected in those stats, Tommy. Yeah, 100%. Um, Boys, uh, I, I think um, one of the one of the real challenges for Ollie Roo's coaches in the past has been that almost none of the players have actually been playing uh, um, full time uh, or playing uh, regular minutes. So um, I, it's a good point, Colby, and one that I hadn't really considered is is um, part of that for the Ollie Rue. So. Um, Probably gives me, I guess, a little bit different a perspective on the the Olyroos and and how to, I guess, w- like what to expect from their performances. Noting that sometimes a lot of those players come in and they're just rusty. So um so yeah um look we don't really plan on doing any Olly Roos podcasts, but um, uh, um when when are the Olympics again?
1: <laughs> twenty twenty. Yeah, (laughs) last year.
0: We'll play Colby. They got exactly what it deserved. (laughs) They're after Euro twenty (laughs) twenty. Copper America twenty twenty. Yeah, yeah, I know. Uh, Already, boys. uh, Like I said, we didn't really plan on doing like a a, an Oli Ruse pod, but I think it might actually come pretty close to uh, around the beginning of the Premier League season. So we might have to shoehorn some Oli Ruse chat um, into into the next pod in uh, about six weeks' time. Uh, moving on, though, uh, the next one and the next point I wanted to talk about was the crowds this season. Obviously, um, as A League followers, we've tended to obsess about um, crowds over the last few years. Um, this year, though, obviously, uh, crowds were significantly down, mostly due to COVID. Um, the fact that even the grand final still only had um, 50% capacity allowed into the ground. And really, we only had, I think there was um, even one of the derbies, the Sydney derbies, was. Uh, Excuse me, was still um uh limited capacity as well. So <laughs> um the uh obviously the other thing to note about the crowds was that they were really buoyed by a couple of massive uh, crowds late on at the end of the season. Um the uh, Melbourne Derby and as well the two big Wellington games as well. Um was the league wide average um, though it was thousand which is significantly down from last year there wasn't a single club that um, managed to crack 10 thousand as an average which I mean do you guys read much into this or you think it's just part of the course of where we're at right now not just as as a game or as a league but just the way the world is
2: bit of both Tommy yeah
1: yeah I think it's a bit of both I think obviously COVID has had a massive impact on crowds there was a few that were behind closed doors people don't want to move around but I also think that um, you know, the crowds have slowly been falling over the years too. So it, it's just a, a fact that you re- reduced interest in people wanting to go to the games due to, you know, a myriad of reasons that we've spoken about a million times with active support and, and engagement in the game. But, yeah, essentially it's a, a bit of both. But and I, I just wanted to note that G- Daniel Garb and I have had a, a running battle on Twitter all season where he said crowds wa- aren't, uh, an A-League issue, they're a Western United issue. So every time there was a low crowd, I uh, I added Daniel Garb and said, is this still just a Western United issue or is this now a MacArthur and Western United? Or is this well, a Brisbane, MacArthur and Western United? I just kept the list going.
0: It, it- <laughs> I tell you what, Damo, it is a valid point because, like you say, Macarthur also had a couple of really stinking crowds, like sub one thousand um, uh, people at the game crowds, and 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 that's not great because it doesn't look good on TV. It's not great for the players, I'm sure either. Um, so, I guess that that um, is something that those two clubs in particular will really need to work on. I think next season for building some of those crowds. I'm shocked
2: that the uh, two inven- invented franchises were getting suboptimal crowds. <laughs> to, be fair, to be
3: fair, the MacArthur fans have to get up early in the morning to do the milking, so <laughs> um... <laughs> lower attendances at night games. Yeah, they need to <laughs>
1: give them the 1 p.m. kickoffs before they're asleep.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I do, I do want to throw this out there, and although uh, it's not on roller tapes, um, demo did say that um, Western United would get massive, and I quote, massive crowds at uh, Amy Park this season. So, um, yeah, um, and I made a few just-
1: bad calls about Western United. We'll get to that later.
0: That is just a taste of things to come. Uh, coming up a little bit later in, in our patented uh, or trademark roll the tape segment, where uh, we we pull out some of the uh, the best or worst takes from our preview episode. Um, Boys, anything else on crowds before we move on? Okay. Uh, next one I wanted to touch upon is uh, I guess prompted by a listener question from HSN, uh famous from our Survivor Tipping competition throughout the season. Um, his question is, uh, what did everyone think of this year's Visa players? Um, who wants to go first?
2: Colby? I looked at this, Tommy. Um, you sent around a list of the, the foreign players um, courtesy of our friends at Wikipedia and because um, I, I was thinking to myself, oh, gee, I think there haven't been that many duds this season. I think everyone's pretty much stood up, and I think everyone's been quality. But then I looked at this list, and I saw the likes of Rudy Justed, Jacob Butterfield, uh, Loric Puyo, Benya Masato, Masato, yeah, Masato Kudo. Jordan March, I mean, you know, the the list goes on, and even even the likes of uh, Marco Rojas was uh, was pretty underwhelming this season. So there there are a few little spuds uh, out there. I, I've got right. to say, How- Colby, you did just you did just rattle off four of the six
0: uh, Melbourne Victory Visa players. So I think <laughs> yeah, if you take Melbourne Victory out, <laughs> I, I think I've got to say that 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 I think the Visa cohort this year was actually extremely strong um, uh, across the league. Yeah, well, Ziggy Gordon uh, springs
3: to mind. <laughs> Oh, Ziggy Gordon was quite good. I thought that's what I was mean. I was just trying to take yeah, him a positive yeah. time. Yeah. Um, oh, okay. <laughs> um, um, like, yeah, no, Zig- um, <laughs> no, Ziggy was good. Um, I, it's funny actually because once you started talking about those Melbourne Victory players, I mean, you're basically taking my segment uh, later on in the show. So, <laughs> 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 right. I mean, you ba- you know, that's basically the highlights of the year for them. So, um, yeah, no, it's. I think there are some. There are definitely some flops, but really really weird year to measure foreign players because you know some of them are here on visas some of them felt probably felt like they were hostage staying in the country so um <laughs> it's a little bit you know Castro always feels like he's hostage but um it, it, it kind of feels <laughs> it kind of feels a little bit of a difficult year to measure um some of those foreign play um players especially with families um in different countries and
2: things like that must be affecting them as well yeah but what did like Jordan March and Nikolai Muller do like I don't remember them even playing mate i think it's it's
0: probably pretty fair to put western uh um western city wanderers as uh mark or their visa players in in the same camp as Melbourne victories as well i think they if you take out those two teams i think the remaining 10 teams as visa players i think were were pretty
2: strong all right what about uh, benyat and Loke Puyol? i thought benyat was really good No, maybe not think so didn't, maybe the it, first not, half not, of the not season he, in was the good, billing. Wasn't he was yeah, he was, he was not too bad by the uh, the first half of the season, but given the billing that was around him and he was going to, like, sweep the league, him and uh, Societa. Societa, who was quite good, but Benyat, I thought, was very underwhelming.
0: No, mate. Sorry, I'm going to have to disagree with you. I thought he was really good. And, and when he didn't play, I thought uh, MacArthur struggled. Like, they were a far worse a team without him. I mean, ultimately, they finished in top six and when he played most of the games had got good results. So... I'll mount the just because
2: of Derby here.
0: <clears throat> <laughs> more more on that later, listeners. <laughs> All right. Uh boys, you wanna um I mean we could go through the whole list of, of visa players, but um I, I don't think anyone really wants to do that, do they? <laughs> um boys all right the net on to the next thing which was uh i guess the tv uh deal narrative and that sort of hanging over like a big portion of the season this year obviously everyone kind of knew that fox would likely be moving on um but we didn't really know who would replace them for a long time everyone thought it was going to be optus it was possibly going to be stan who was sort of there i think right until the end um but uh, look, we're now with, we're going to be with Paramount next season, Paramount Plus. Uh, and so, boys, did that sort of narrative sort of, like, did it annoy you that it was taking up so much sort of airtime throughout the season or like it's just part of the, the A-League and and, and uh, um, as the season progressed?
1: I think it's part of just the fabric of, of how sport is at the moment and, especially now with, with COVID, all, all the money that these clubs make has to come from TV deals. So the importance of them have become heightened than, than they ever have been. And, you know, particularly with all these new players in the streaming market and the streaming world booming, uh, of course it was going to be a hot topic and f- football has wanted something different. Fox Sports haven't wanted football. And so, of course, it was going to take up air time. It, it was annoying because it was all people were talking about at times. Um, but in the end, I think the fans kind of got the result they wanted.
0: Fair enough. Um, all right, boys, uh, we're going to move on again, though. Uh, next up, uh, the Johnny Warren medalist, uh, obviously, Mil- uh, Milos Ninkovic and uh, Davila, they ended up sharing the award for that one. Um, A-League Brazil wants to know, how does the Johnny Warren medal work um and also he wanted to shout out to all the Brazilians who might be listening to the pod. Uh boys, back to the Johnny Warren Medal. It it works as three two one, right? Like throughout the season. That's my understanding. I'm 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 No, it doesn't. Right. Well, it what's doesn't. the Johnny am I confusing hand- with the Alex Tobin, Tobin Medal?
1: Yeah, so the it's not a three two-one voting system. It's literally just handpicked by representatives of the league. Um, or voted by media. It's um the three, two, one count used to be what was the Fox Sports Player of the Year award. It doesn't exist anymore since they don't care, and I don't think the uh, the Alex Tober Medal uh, has anything to do with the A League. It's it that's the Australian Footballer of the Year the world over. So there's 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 no actual system, um, and I think I said this on the night the Johnny Warren Medal was happening. A vote count should be the way it works. A transparent vote count, like. Uh, like to do for the brownlow medal it's just it adds to the excitement
2: also what a fast that ninkovic is in there come on come on even let's
1: Diamante just, shouldn't yeah, have been yeah let's in there. just
2: let's just put that out there ninkovic could have been on one of the one of the spud foreigners this season he did nothing and he just wanted to be in there to satisfy the sydney media he doesn't like he's been fantastic for the league but he like didn't have his best year he was he was on the bench a lot more this season um
1: he it wasn't was even sydney's life. best player
2: yeah, that's right. Um, it was like an absolute fast, like, and to have him, you know, sort of up there with, I think he's up there with Broich now as the only other uh, player to win it twice. Um, given the season he's had, that's not a, that's not a broishesque esque season and that's not a, that's not matching um, the season he had when he won it the first time.
1: And the fact that Jamie McLaren wasn't even shortlisted, I mean, it, it's yeah. the elephant in the room. Like, I just thought he was a shoe in to win it, right? And then I saw the the three nominees and and was just blown away. I mean, out of those three, for me, Deveer was far and away the best. So, I, was, I think I was he was robbed be, of an individual award. I was
3: yep. disappointed to be left out, for sure.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Boys, on, on the topic of Thanks, Jamie. Jamie. <laughs> <laughs> That's Macca coming of- to you from hotel quarantine. <laughs>
0: Jesse Mack. Uh, on the topic of uh, Jamie McLaren not being a nominee, I assumed it was because it was a 3 1 and that because uh, he was just, I guess, a fantastic player, but in a fantastic team. And it's far harder to win like 3 1 votes if uh, you're like a good player or an outstanding player, but in an outstanding team. You know what I mean? So, um, like, that was my only justification for how that could have happened. But I mean, since it's not a 3 1 and it's just, oh, like whoever's got sort of the most famous name then uh that's what we'll go with but uh yeah all right fair enough um was anything else on that no good all right uh next up and this was a very contentious point over the um the final week of the a-league season uh probably more contentious even than the johnny warren medal uh which was coach of the year um Boys, Paddy Kuznorbo ended up uh, taking it out um, in his debut A League season. Um, the two, uh, I guess, uh, most uh, most deserving other coaches that were sort of in the mix were Steve Corica um, and Alan Stage. Um, did you guys think that, that Kuznorbo was the right choice, or, or should Corica or, or, or Stage um, actually uh, take out the award?
1: I think Stage was. Um... Was stiffed for this award here personally. I mean, from taking the squad he had to to finish third. But um, Tommy, may, maybe you're the person to to rant here about um, about soccer Twitter's reaction of of Steve Corican not winning the award. The floor is yours.
2: I'll, I'll go last. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to steal your thunder, Tommy. I'll leave this one to you. But no. I, I think I can sense what you're going to say about it. But, uh, no, I, yeah, I, I, but
0: all right, go, go on, Tommy. <laughs> All right. Look, so I mean, I, I was quite uh, quite passionate about this in the aftermath of the awards ceremony because there were there seemed to be a very uh, there seemed to be quite a strong case building on social media that Corica was was ripped off uh, because he'd taken uh, a team that uh, finished first last year and won the grand final and took them to second and lost the grand final. So um, <laughs> I did think that was a, was a bit strange. Um, and I mean. This was also a team that I think uh, I think uh, I put it in my tweet a, a couple of days ago, but um, I think they were up with six weeks to go. They were I think in like fourth place or fifth place, um, and only just in uh, scraping into the top six at that point until Lafondre arrived, and and then obviously LaFonda, in my opinion, was was probably one of the best players of the final month of the A League, and and really lifted that team, and and I thought that 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 um, Sydney. In the final six weeks, were probably in better form, I think, than City. Um, and if you if you're only looking at the final six weeks of the season, then yeah, Corica probably did uh, maybe deserve. But um, I, I think without Lafondre, then I think that team probably even struggles to make uh, make finals. And uh, it would have been, I think, a very different final series <laughs> if it weren't for Lafondra. I think City would have basically just won uh, won the competition even in even more of a canter. So. Um, Whilst I, I don't think Corica was the uh, was a, a good choice, um, I do have to say that I'm not sure that Kiznobo was the right choice either. Um, whilst he obviously had a great season, City had a great season, debut uh, season in the A-League, I think Stage was the, he was the correct choice because no one, in, uh, including all of us here at More Than A Game, expected Mariners to do anything other than be absolute whipping boys this season. And he turned them into a really competitive outfit that were hard to beat, stayed in games, they won games late on, so it showed that they had, like, real team spirit, which they haven't had for, like, five or six years um, and really changed around a really negative culture and just pretty much did the impossible. What we've been saying for the last few years is doing the impossible, and uh, he did it, and I think he he deserved to be acknowledged for that. But just, He just them in a state, just just
3: state, state of Nirvana, state in Nirvana, and it smelled like team spirit. But um, I was going to say... <laughs> uh also boys like with with coaching awards there's no there's no kind of like split in in the award that's the the tricky thing with managers like we just talked about a split between the johnny warren and the alex tobin like the different nuances of those awards and how it would favor you know one player versus another player but with managers there's no in in between it's like you can manage the year and that's it and it's just kind of like well Obviously, there are going to be managers at the bottom end of the table or even the middle that do an incredible job who just never get these awards. They might get the manager of the month, which we see a lot in the Premier League, but they don't They don't get the ultimate award because the ultimate award is, ba- is based on trophies. So it's kind of, I don't know, I, I just think it's one of those, you, know, you sort of have been a bit of a hiding for nothing if you're in the stage camp for this because while he, he deserved it, he, it's just, it's not the right award for him. If you look at the way that the award is, has been favored in
0: previous years. Exactly. I mean, it's the, win the it's the equivalent of uh, it's the equivalent of David Moyes not winning uh, uh, Premier League Manager of the Season. Basically, it's 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 exactly like, like David Moyes not winning Premier League Manager of the Season. <laughs> all boys uh, look we've got a few more listener questions before we kick into roller tapes uh first one comes from uh more than a game's own shannon um and we are claiming him uh shannon is he's our boy. officially he's our boy he, he was with <laughs> us first so if any other podcast tries to claim him no, he's ours he's uh he's a more than a game original um shannon uh asks who is going to go bigger parsons or Tilio?"
1: I'm pissed off that this is even a question. Yeah, like, how's this question? Th- there's no debate here. I personally, I don't rate Tilio at all. Um, but at, we we know what I think of Alex Parsons, so that there's there's your answer, Shannon, from me.
0: <laughs> Jesse, I feel like, like no you're a little dog. <laughs> <laughs> Jesse, I think you're a little bit more neutral in this than than maybe the three of us. Uh, what are your thoughts on this one? I mean, you know, if you're going to pick everything on recency
3: bias, then, you know, like, Tilio really lit <laughs> it up the other night, boys. Um,
2: yeah, with so, that slide. <laughs> whoa, how good is he at <laughs> keeping the ball in?
3: <laughs> but, I mean, like, the man can slide. So, I mean, <laughs> I, <can't, laughs> but, I don't see Parsons sliding that far. So, you know.
0: How, how, many, times has pa- how many times has Parsons slid into the Bleacher Report's uh, tweets recently?
1: Yeah, well, Tilio's the kind of guy that would slide into your girlfriend's DMs. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Oof. yeah definitely i'm all about parsons now <laughs> i yeah i
3: i don't know i i, I think that Tilio he's he's gonna go places but i mean i think at the moment if you to the shops that,
1: and back <laughs> <laughs> um, but teeth I, really
3: kicked in in the last ten. yeah minutes. <laughs> it's matter he's drinking there um <laughs> <laughs> you no, know, I, I think uh, Tilio, like he's a silky player and he's exciting to watch. And I, I just think maybe horses for courses are those players. I think for now, Parsons would be my pick as well. But I think Tilio's got lots to offer going forward as well.
0: I oh, actually, um, now that I think about this, so I was in my head um, thinking that Tilio actually reminds me a lot of Arzani. And maybe a better question might be who is going to go bigger, Tilio or Arzani? Because they're very similar players. Well, they've both well, Azani- played
2: about the same amount of senior minutes. So.
1: Yeah, and Ozani's <laughs> only going backwards. So,
2: well, Ozani's in the Ollie Roos squad after he's played about 180 minutes of um team, uh, you know, senior football again after coming back from injury. It's real like shades of 2018 vibes. Yeah, fair. Um, Alright, boys, we'll we'll
0: move on then. Uh, Josh Watson he asks, who do we think will be City Football Group's next cash cow? Kola, Kolikowski, big shout, and like I think there are some probably some more obvious candidates ahead of him actually, but I'll come back to my thoughts in a second. Damo or Jesse, either of you got a got a thought on that? I think it's a good shout. It's a
3: good shout. I was I was pondering this before, but that's it, that actually makes sense, <laughs> Kolakowski.
1: Well, I think they can sell more of a narrative on him than they can get uh, financial value at the moment.
0: And I think that's a pretty decent shout as well, because I think uh, Kolokowski is—he's probably in Zahar areas at the moment, where he's worth more to the club than uh, than any other club would pay for him. (laughs) Colby's real triggered by that. Um, and uh, I actually think uh, I think Metcalf he he is the cat um, the the um, the one that's the being cash, fattened the up cash for market cow. the <laughs> cash cow he's the cash
2: cow
3: <laughs> I didn't even mean that I didn't even mean that
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> but he's he's just being fattened up for market and and hopefully they can get a
2: good price for him and I don't have any beef Connor. with that Tommy. <laughs>
3: oh Wag you fantastic <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, wow. Um, All right, boys, one final one comes from Andy, a.k.a., and I had to mention he's at, at Thrillhouse House FC. Um, he asks, uh, is J-Mac staying uh, at City a good thing considering when he first signed for City, he
2: said he was using it as a platform to get back to Europe? It sounds like a question I probably would have asked too, Tommy. So I sort of I, – I, I like where Thrillhouse FC's head's at. Um, but I thought a little bit about this one, and I think with um, things being the way they are, with COVID, um, and and the uh, sorry, the uh, World Cup coming up next year, he's probably at least looking to stay next year and and just like keep you know keep on being the number one and and you know smashing another twenty five goals next season and ahead of the World Cup and then sort of reevaluate from there. So I don't think he's probably thinking in his heart of hearts that he's going to be at Sydney and uh, city in two years time. But um, I think he'll certainly be there next season as a, as a platform for the world cup to make sure he's there.
1: Yeah. I think it was a, a brilliant piece of business from city and um, knowing that, yeah, Jamie McLaren wants to stay around and be in good form because he wants to go to the world cup, but also the fact that they signed him to a two year contract extension. If he has another good year next year and then a good showing at the world cup, how much is someone going to pay for him and they'll get a transfer fee? So um, it's a good piece of business all around. And we get to see Jamie, Jamie McLaren in the A-League next year. So I'm not complaining.
0: It'd be interesting to see, I guess, whether or not he can, uh, I guess, run down the gauntlet and uh, get another 20-goal a season because if he does, I'm, like, I'm pretty sure that'll be a new record for for most most 20-goal 20, um, 20 goal seasons in the A-League. Um, Boy, is that pretty much... Oh, does no, someone want to jump in? No. Oh, I was no. just
2: going to say. Um, and we didn't say it in the grand final segment, but do feel for Maka. Um, having to be in a hotel room watching the grand final. Um, he's never won an A League grand final, and you, you asked, or one of our listeners asked about whether there was any asterisks on uh, the grand final at all. Um, and I hope Maka doesn't feel this way, but you know he may feel like there's a bit of an asterisk on it still for him, given he, he has a he'll, he'll have a championship medal now, but he didn't play in the game. It's sort of like players don't want to win grand finals in suits or in in the hotel room, as it were. So, um, really, really feel for him, um, given how hard he's worked, and given that he, he you know he was one of the critical, if not the most critical part to Melbourne City's season and, and you know winning this grand final. So yeah.
0: But they say that winning one grand final is is hard, but winning it back to back is like even harder because everyone is gunning for you, and you just feel that real weight of expectation, and and everyone else is trying even harder to beat you. Um, and in the in the sort of the post game. Um, Post game chat, uh, there was lots of talk about how City pretty much used that grand final loss from last season to motivate them all the way through, from first day of preseason all the way through. And I guess with Macca not having been there for for that um, grand final uh, win, it, it does mean that you you still have a very very hungry Jamie McLaren coming back next season, which is obviously pretty scary for the rest of the league. But obviously also bodes really well for um, for the I guess the City team and squad is that they're still going to be pushed on um, to, to possibly even new heights next year with with a hungry Jamie McLaren too. So um, good point, uh, Colby, and I thought I'd throw in some extra thoughts on that too, some extra sauce. Um, but, boys, all right, look, it is time. It's time for Roller tapes um, This season, uh, not sure if uh, you guys on on the pod, uh, Jesse, Damo and Colby, if you guys are sweating back to the <laughs> – you should be, if uh, if you guys listened back to the preview pod uh, from I think we did it in early or mid December, um, just before Christmas or just after Christmas. Um, but look, we are all about ac- accountability here at Moreland Games. So here is Roller Tates for the A League season 2021. Um, now, just want to throw out a caveat that this is the first time we are experimenting with some brand new technology here at Roll uh, here at Morelander Games. So um, this could turn out perfectly, or this could just crash the whole stream so we're about to find out (laughs) first up jesse uh you're going first so uh and jesse didn't quite hit the mark on who he thought would be the main man at sydney fc this season he is jesse one of the key people
3: to watch uh is bahagia for me because uh you've got a player who uh, is coming in? Who essentially is the replacement to Lafondre, at least for, for now? We we talked a lot of his impact off the bench last season, um, but now he's a, he'll be starting, I assume, most games. And um, I think he scored five goals in the in the um, Asian Champions League. So he's already up and running, uh, linking up with Barbarusas, Um So that's already worrying for everybody else. <laughs>
0: There you have it. Uh, the, <laughs> the, the new LaFondra is uh badger, and I think he, I think he ended up scoring one goal in eleven appearances. Obviously blighted by injury once again, but uh, not not your, quite your finest moment, Jesse. But look, everyone doesn't escape it uh, this time around. Uh, next up, uh, Colby. He threw down the gauntlet to one particular. Western United player. Here's Colby's uh, take.
1: I think another uh, – and the other in, which I think is a brilliant signing for the Woo, is Lockie Wales. And and I know there was a bit of chat about this in our season review where Tommy's real big on Lockie Wales and was really disappointed he's leaving. And, Colby, you're not so much of a fan of Lockie Wales. You think he's kind of reached his level. Um, prove,
2: prove me wrong, Lockie. Prove me yeah, wrong. Yeah, and, and I <laughs> – Show me the bad take. <laughs> <laughs> I think
0: uh, I shouldn't have been in, in the, to the Johnny Warren Medal uh, nominees. I think it should have been Lockie Wales because he was by far the best player this season.
2: <laughs> he had a bit of an uplift after I trashed him, but uh, you know, I think he's to—he's going to be sliding back down. He's going to be, um, yeah, it's going be coming back down to his level. Did, <laughs> didn't even have a better season than Bruce Kamau, so there you have it. Oh God.
0: Uh, next up, everyone kind of uh, gets a bit of a, a battering this time round. Uh, there was one particular Melbourne Victory player that everyone seemed to think would have an amazing season. Uh, here we go.
3: Ben Falami, twenty-one striker, born in Sydney. Um, he was on loan. He's always well, he on loan from Ipswich Town under 23s so... Falami's So going to bang. Yeah, I've got to, he's got, to... got
1: big reviews from um, people in England. Actually,
3: mm, I, I think that's a, a it's a good get.
0: <laughs> yeah so uh everyone was, it was pretty unanimous that uh, ben falami was just gonna blow
2: up this season and I mean he, he bangs on up. career mode I mean I can't I can't blame us for saying that he, he what, absolutely watching him was like
1: banging your mode. head against the wall Expe-
3: <laughs> expected falami was through the roof I mean what happened there
2: falami <laughs> <laughs> more like salami
1: <laughs> oh gosh
2: Ugh. Next up uh again
0: we're going to uh this one I think is everyone uh once again and this is part this is in two parts. The first part is about uh Colby just seemed to uh be taken completely by surprise at some of uh, Jesse and Damo's thoughts on how McArthur were going to go. Um, and then in part B this, this is a bit of a long clip. It goes for a bit over a minute so but there's there's a lot to lot to unpack here. So uh here we go and some McBalls chat.
3: It's a quick point, Golby. Um, we'll have some uh, listeners, I'm assuming, uh, in the coming months, who may even go back to this, who are new Macarthur fans. And I just thought one of the things that we we none of us mentioned was them getting the wooden spoon. We we all assume that they're going to finish above. I've got them in ninth because I think the the central oh, Co- central coast I've got in and in
1: ninth as well.
3: central coast and Newcastle. Yep.
2: Wow, where You were Damo, you were gassing them up before this pod. You were oh, saying I how said like got how got good a they were.
1: squad, but... It's a you know it's it's hard to gel a decent squad together and and, and Tommy and I touched on this
3: Ooh. in our uh,
1: in our little preview so
3: and, and you're
2: saying that they need more cowbell. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I mean and but that's that's an interesting take because every like everywhere I've heard um, all of the pundits are really really backing the Mac Bulls and and they're like finishing they're all predicting them to finish like not only in the finals but like top four top three.
3: Well, it sounds like they're getting a bit mick ahead of themselves, in my opinion.
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm predicting them to, to make finals, but, yeah, I, I, I don't know. Uh, I don't know if they're going to finish that low down. But
3: Well, yeah, the, the no. Wu came in and did that, but, I mean, the Wu had um, Diamante and they had Berisha. So I, I don't know if you can – I don't look at that MacArthur squad and think that they're instantly
2: going to go Milligan into finals. Matt Derbyshire? <laughs> I mean, well, (laughs) Darvish is very highly rated. People saying he's going to be the next LaFondra but like, let's wait and see.
1: Have you watched any of their preseason games? Uh, No, he's a passenger. (laughs) He's a passenger on Tommy C's transport chat. Oh, okay. Uh,
0: (laughs) Apologies that. (laughs) That was a long clip, but uh, I'm just so glad that we have that on the tapes. That, that Damo demo did say that uh, uh, Matt Darvishier would be trashed this season. That he would be I stuck quite. up for from the beginning. I I, I, I uh, backed him, backed him in. And, <laughs> um, and also, I that, that demo and Jesse thought that they would finish ninth. And after like, especially Damo had been gassing him up all week. I remember this in the group chat how, how we were saying that. Oh yeah, they're gonna go like top two, top three. <laughs> Who actually thought they were going to be in the that final part. four? Four though, who, who thought they were going to be in
3: the final four? Did you think they were going to be in the in the final four there, Tommy? You know, I think um, uh, I think we were proven wrong, but we we're proven wrong, but in a positive way with McBoys. I, I said mean, that you know, mate, we underestimated man. So. Though.
0: I had to listen to the whole two-hour episode, and I've got to say, Colby, I don't think you ha- really had one really shocking call throughout the whole one. And every time I did, like your raw um, preview, and I think you did one other, and I was like, "Damn! Like, did did he did he go for the, like to Back to the Future or something?" And had like the sports almanac because that's pretty much how <laughs> their season
2: panned out. Even a broken clocks right twice a day, Tommy. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Good from you, Colby. Uh, all right, uh, I've gotten off pretty pretty. um uh, scot-free so far, but here's one sort of, uh, uh, we'll call it a bit of a hot take, but it, it just didn't quite hit the mark about uh, Western Sydney this season, though. Um, the sky is really the limit for this underperforming uh, club, who now have pressure to the south for, uh, for fans and bums on seats. Um, and this year, I think, could see a return to the Wanderers' best after a few flat years of ground-hopping and underachievement. It was a but that came up after that, but look, I'm, I've had to find some dirt on myself, and, and I've got to say that was probably the, the worst I could find. So, um, that's that's the worst I could find for me, and and I guess that's the that's the benefit of of doing the segment, right? <laughs> <laughs>
1: the sky's the limit. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> All
0: right. Um. Finally, a, a very. Uh, quick couple of clips. Uh, First of all, Jesse on where he thought uh, Melbourne Victory would end up finishing. I predict them to finish fifth,
3: actually. So I think that for them a successful season is at least the semi-final. Um, That'll be their fans' opinion. Um, But I think they'll finish fifth.
0: Yeah, just a little ways off the mark.
2: (laughs) That That was a hot take at the time because, like, Victory would have been expecting to get back to like first, second, third. And we were all like, oh, Jesse, that's a bit of a.
0: That's pretty low.
2: (laughs) Did not age well. Did not age well. What a season. I love this league.
0: And finally, uh, look, there were plenty of bad takes from whilst Colby's season it was preseason pod was very good performance. Uh Damo, yeah, there was plenty of terrible <laughs> predictions from you. And and this is one that I picked out, which was was nice and tidy and very inaccurate. So here we go.
1: A successful season for Adelaide would they making finals for them is a successful season. And I don't think they can do it. I think I've got them predicting to finish 10th this year. I think Adelaide are really going to fall apart.
0: Uh, yep. So that's the same Adelaide that at one point was uh, pretty much they were the form team in the competition. I think they were hanging around second. Obviously, did sort of fall away late in the end of the season, but still, ultimately, they made finals um, and only just uh, uh, got knocked out by Sydney. Sydney in uh, in the second week. So. Um, but, yeah, that's uh, Roll the Tapes for another year. Uh, I know we all enjoy uh, this segment on the, re- uh, the Season Review Pod and we hope that you enjoy it just as much as us. Um, next up, though, we're going to be rolling through each uh, of the teams and how they performed, um, whether or not it was a bit of a pass or a fail from their squad slash manager, uh, what um, each of us loved or hated about them this season and a highlight and all low light from their season. So, um, Damo, you're up first. We're going to do this in reverse order. Um, take it away with Western United, mate.
1: Yeah, look, you, you, you said that I had a few bad takes on the on the season <laughs> preview, and, and I'm surprised this one didn't come up. I I predicted Wu to finish third and to make the grand final. So, yeah, they ended up finishing 10th in a miserable season that saw Rudin lose his job probably deservedly after the way they finished the season. I think they finished with eight losses in a row and then a, and a draw before that. So nine games at the end of the season without a win. And and they conceded 25 goals in those nine games. So, uh, yeah, not not a great end to the season for the Wu. And obviously a lot of things went wrong. Um, I, 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 I hated about the season. And I remember saying in the preview that their team kind of relied on Durante, Diamante and Barisha down the spine and they're all in the back end of their 30s and they all kind of fell apart at times this season and um, I think that was probably their, their downfall uh, but in saying that the, the highlight of the season and I'm not sure if you guys remember this but it, it was all the way back in round three they um they played Perth in a game that just went back and forth uh, that the final score was 5-4 but Perth kept going in front and then the Wu would score one, two minutes later and and they went back and forth all the way. So Wu came from behind four times and ended up winning the game 5-4. So, you know, everyone at that point thought, yeah, that's right. Zappa's lost his voice and everyone (laughs) thought this was, you know, this was things to come for the season for the Wu and this was going to be, you know, their coming out moment. But yeah, that was, their highlight was round three. So (laughs) it's not a great thing.
0: grim oh and that's it yeah right.
1: I guess the last thing is <laughs> that it was just a massive fail of a season for them it's my last and, and, point
0: no mate you're right sorry I, um, I think I semi zoned out then and was just like was, <laughs> is that it yeah <laughs> <laughs> no, mate, uh, I 100% agree. Like, uh, I think a lot of us were uh, we, we were pretty enthusiastic after the Wolves' first season, and for them to have such a poor season um, this year, especially in comparison, uh, was, I guess, really disappointing. And like we said, their, their crowd numbers probably reflected that as well uh so uh, i think uh like w- sometimes we talk about how like it's important for the league that um some t- specific teams have good seasons and i think um the woo rebounding next season i think is going to be really important for them uh, as such a young club so see how they go next season uh, next up is western city wanderers and that's that's me. Uh, Western Sydney Wanderers finished eighth on thirty-five points, uh, four points short of making finals. Um, and considering I was gassing up this team in the preseason, uh, they got Ugarkovic midway through the season as well. Um, this was just not good enough for the Wanderers. Carl um, Robinson had a full preseason with the team, brought in a bunch of his players that basically were his signings, and you had the likes of Troisi, Abini, Ziggy Gordon, and of course Ugarkovic as well. This is very much his team. Um, Bruce Kamau was their top scorer with nine goals. Uh, Mitch Duke only had six, which considering we're taking Mitch Duke to the Olympics as our overage player, um, just sort of beggars belief a little bit. Um, That was a bit of an issue, I guess, about the sort of the lack of goals. But ultimately, the biggest problem for the Wanderers this season was uh, just not being tight enough at the back. And considering they had, um, like, they brought in the experience of Ziggy Gordon to sort of shore that up, just a mega fail. Um, Ultimately, that's the best word to describe this Wanderers season: just a big fat fail from Robinson and the Wanderers. Um, Ultimately, not making finals with that squad is just criminal and. I mean, I, I think it was probably a reasonable shout in the end that um, Robinson probably should have been sacked at the end of the season because um, you, you couldn't say that he hasn't been backed. Ultimately, um,
3: what I did would love about say, the season Would you say him so throwing? Would you say him throwing the squad under the bus as one of the lowlights, uh, Tommy, on um, on that, Fox
0: Television? That was really bizarre. I remember talking about it with Shannon a couple of weeks ago uh, on the pod, just saying that it, it was something that like I've just never really seen in the A-League or even anywhere else where you just said that the team just had no leaders and that he had to be the leader of the team. And it was just real bizarre areas. The kind of shit that you would probably expect from Robbie Fowler. And I mean, we've, we've Margaret talked about, Allen. yeah, exactly. Just real sort of toxic bullshit. Right. Um Things I did like, I tried to find a few positives, though. Um, First one was Bruce Kamau finally coming of age at age 26. Um, He's been on the cusp of...
1: Uh, Bruce Kamau got stiffed for one of the overage spots at the Olympics, in my opinion. That's
0: (laughs) not... No, that's... No, I was going to say that's not (laughs) a bad shout. Take
2: the bait. No, not taking it. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Um look, Kamau has been on the cusp of a breakout season for what feels like about six years and he finally came good this season. Um nine goals and and like he was played as like a number 10, which is just really bizarre, still even to think of as Kamau playing as a 10. Um it was a bit of a feel-good story though. Um and I gotta say I, I kind of hated the arrogance of this team. Obviously, like I said, they pilfered a bunch of players, um, but they just showed that they just weren't up for it at certain times throughout the season. Um, The highlight of their season was beating Sydney 3-2 in their home derby and an almost highlight was the match against the victory where they came back from 5-1 down with 20 minutes to go for it to finish 5-4, um, a very close defeat in what was probably one of the wildest games uh, the A-League saw this season. Um, And that's the Wanderers. Uh, next up, Wellington with Jesse.
3: Oh, the next, the next. <laughs> I... Um- Went back through, through my uh, preview notes and uh, predicted finish third and uh, was a successful season grand final. Rest in peace, me. Um, <laughs> they, <laughs> they, they finished seventh, as we all are aware, um, because they were there or thereabouts right up to the final game, but they were relying on other people's results, other teams' results, and um, you never you never want to be in that position. Um coming up to finals and ultimately you deserve to not make finals if you are completely reliant on other results. And that's what happens. Um, Pass. I'm going to give them a pass as far as, I mean, I know they finished seventh, but I'm going to give them a pass because of the nature of being based away from uh, Wellington. Um, I think that, I think that it's a fail that they didn't make finals because I think they're a good enough team to make finals. But I think the fact that they were away from home for so long, Um, they I think they put up a good fight in in some key games. I don't think they disgraced themselves. Um, I can't recall a game where they just got completely tonked. Um, I think they were um, and I think that it, you know, I think they slightly underperformed, but there were some really good things. I love the fact that they embraced the Will and Gone community. Um, they probably went to Checos a few times, Tommy. Um, (laughs) they, they, that's why they didn't have such a good season. Yeah, that, that, that's the fuel of champions. That food. Um, they, <laughs> they like the, the 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 kit that they wore. Um, uh, the it was great to see the community get behind them. Um, they had flags, uh, red, red Wellington Phoenix flags, and um, I, I, I'm sure it was dear to you, uh, Tommy. Um, I love that they the Mexican fans followed uh, Davila around again um, for the season. Um, we saw some of them in, in Melbourne for one of the games, um, and they were in good spirits. A good relationship with the Phoenix fans now, which is great. Um, and bloody new players like um, Wayne. And, and, and a, a player that I pumped up in the preseason was Sam Sutton. We didn't really see him until maybe halfway through the season. We started to see a bit more of him near the end. Um, and now he's in the Kiwi setup. So I, I feel a little bit vindicated that he's done well in the second part of the season. But for a while there, I was a bit worried because he wasn't getting into the team. Um <laughs> What what I hated was being that almost team, you know, like we were always in a game, um, XG was through the roof, but we really lacked it in the final third. And it's frustrating watching a team like that, because it's essentially what it must be like being a Brighton fan in the Premier League, you know, you, you've got all this uh, potential, but it's very difficult to um, to get the results. Um, timed to run too late, ultimately. Um and uh it was such a long wait to get home and play in front of the um the home fans across the ditch that um I think it was just a little bit too late. A couple of great um crowds though, which was a positive. Um yeah, a low light for me um was uh, Miradovic scoring a goal and then not being televised. <clears throat> um losing Camp no, Devlin it? after a great se- <laughs> after a great season. Um yeah, that Muradovic film was just P. K. league areas that one it was the most um, viral
1: goal of the season and still no one's seen it <laughs>
3: <laughs> the ghost goal yeah um highlight uh, was uh, going to see them play actually so uh, through all the lockdowns we got to go see them play at amy park and even though they lost and uh, victory fans have given me a heap of shit um uh, you know <laughs> victory um i think the karma got you in the end um for me, um, that's pr- pretty much the summary in the Phoenix. I think that, you know, I think that we'll hopefully see some games, more games across the ditch next year and maybe see a bit more of a home form from them. I don't think they capitalised on the home games as much as they should have. But, um, yeah, I didn't think they disgraced themselves, but I was disappointed that they finished. In the, I think that they were a team that if they'd made the finals, they probably would have um, put up a bit of a fight, but they just couldn't quite g- uh, get across the line in the end.
0: Fair enough. Uh, strange old season for the for the Phoenix this year. Um, Jesse, you're up again uh, with Sydney.
3: Well, Sydney, 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 Sydney. Um, <laughs> I'm going to give a pass to Steve Corica, manager of the season, um, because, <laughs> because 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 he, he did get them back into the the final, um, and you know, provided that obviously we talked about some of the signings coming back. Um, uh, and, and influencing that result, but he still um, took them there again and they just seem to have this uh, ability to, to grind out results probably better than most teams. I think City showed a, a, better, um, a better skill at doing that this year, but I think that Sydney have consistently done this for a number of seasons. They just grind out 1-0s when maybe they shouldn't. Um, and so I think that uh, Karaka, he it's still a pass for me that he got there. Um uh, they had the most clean sheets of any club. clubs. They had 10 clean sheets. So I guess that also shows that they defensively were pretty, pretty sound. Um, what I hated was Bahagia under delivering um, <laughs> three, three goals and 24 appearances. Wasn't what, what I was looking for from them. Um, and um, the return of the old guard um, Bobo and, um, and Lafondra, like, basically killed off all the youth prospects that I've been guessing up in the preseason. I've uh, been like, oh, here's 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 all these players to watch and watch as they get pushed out of the team again
0: uh, once these players <laughs> what come back from India. So You see, what blew me away was Babo ended up getting 12 goals in the end. I think he was almost well, like second highest in the, in the league. I didn't realize he played 22 games. It, yeah. it totally has blown me away that... He, he played so many games. I thought he only came in with, like, 10 games to go. But so he, he, he came it, in, like, a third of the way through the season, which, like, it's totally different to how I recall the season being played. But, look, it's funny how, sort of, time can warp and bend in some sometimes.
3: It's the it's the nature of starting, basically, in January or the end of December. It skews everything. You know, he, he came in, like, early this year, but it feels like mid-season so mm. um yeah LaFondra LaFondra's he got four goals in six games after returning from India so he was he was on a hot streak as well so I think with Sydney like as I said it's a pass there were some highlights there Ob- obviously the low light was um uh you know losing the grand final um they also had to pull out of the AFC Champions League as well um just recently so that would have been something that they bit of a shame for them um and like i said before like having to watch a jacked up um scott jameson scoring slide in front of you is going to hurt any day of the week so um <laughs> that'll be something that haunts the sydney fans but um let's just let's just say guys that certainly have had their fair share of success in the last few years they've made another grand final um they're a very difficult team to put away and ultimately they got they did get a card in the final and even though that's not an excuse um they they'll be there and thereabouts next year all with all I can say is that it has shown that they are reliant on some of their key players and that they really do need to start blooding some of these young players that I guessed up last year and uh, if you want me to preview if you want me to preview the next season we'll just replay the tapes from last season and hopefully those
0: boys deliver this <laughs> Jesse listen to a question from at ice Cold Cop uh, on Twitter he wants to know is city's era of dominance over uh, Sydney's or cities, yeah, because um, cities only just started this,
3: mate. Um, <laughs> Sydney, I reckon. Uh, I think that city, I think City's squad's starting to form into something a little bit more formidable now. I think as a team and a unit, I think that city is starting to look a bit better. I think Sydney have. Wonder if this 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 unit has peaked, um, possibly last season. Um, we all sort of expected them to roll the league again but they they did get beaten by a better team in the finals so I, I think that Sydney may need to start re, um, regenerating as a
0: team if they want to stay up there Fair enough and, and that's proven something that's been very difficult in the A-League is to completely refresh a team and, and Sydney have been so settled now for, for the last few years um, Alright moving on though uh, thanks for that Jesse Colby you're up next with a review of Perth Glory season take it away
2: Perth Glory boys, what to say about Perth Glory? Um, I, I predicted them to finish sixth this season, um, as they did in nineteen twenty season nineteen twenty. That is, um, they finished in ninth, um, and this was always going to be the season of um, the, the Popovich void, um, with with Popper having having left for the, the Greek Super League. Um, at the end of last season Um, and, you know, they've they've had popper leave along with their whole back line and economy is injured. So um, their season was always going to be set against that backdrop. Um, And given all of that, it's crazy that they were still in the race for the finals with a game or so to go, but then dropped off to ninth. Um, Just shows how close it was in that sort of flabby middle part of the the (laughs) A-League table. Um, But... I would have to say still that it's probably a fail um, for Richie Garcia and the squad um that you know although they had that proper sized hole to to finish uh, to fill um I think the finish uh should have been a bit higher and this this squad with um with Castro and Fornaroli should have still made finals you would have thought um So that was that was a bit disappointing for them. Um, Not really their fault because you know, but the games they had in hand this season never really um, allowed them to sort of get going, and they never really got into a rhythm. They were always sort of playing catch up, and I think having games in hand sort of psyched a few teams out this season as well, and, and Perth were definitely one of them because, the, you, you know, you're always better to have the points in the bank and um, when you've got the games there to play, I think um, I think it caused a few teams some problems and I think Perth suffered from that in addition to their other problems that I just mentioned. Um, the Berth, highlight for them...
0: Perth aside from uh, probably Wellington were probably most affected by COVID this season. Like, remember, I, th- I think they played like one game in the first three weeks of the A-League and that just put them completely on the back foot for the rest of the
2: season. The Raw, too, had, um, you know, maybe they were a bit of collateral for that as well, but they had a lot of games in hand, and I'll talk about them as well. But, yeah, so I, I think they really messed with Perth. Um, the highlight, I think, was the return of Economides at the back end of the season when their attack really got going. But I think by then the damage to their their campaign was already done. So um, that that was a highlight. And, I mean, looking ahead, they'll be pretty pleased to um, – well, they'll be definitely looking to keep the likes of Economides and Fornaroli and – um, I know they've extended Amiento, um, Aspro, and Katsuki Otta. Um, they'll, they'll. I think they're looking to try and extend Castro. Although I think in his last game it looked like he was, you know, pretty much saying goodbye to the fans. I don't know if anyone has any update on that. But they've, they're, they're, there's a big squad turnover now. Um, but they've got in the Clisbino and and Barry Calva. So I mean, you know, the <laughs> sky's the limit next season, boys. <laughs> Oh, just a quick question, uh, D- D'Agostino,
3: boys. Um, would you say out Thick of the Nick season? Is out. Thick, Thick Nick
1: Degasino. <laughs>
3: <laughs> do, do we think that his? Um, do we think, think that some of the cameos, though, ultimately is, is, has been a, a shining light, though, as far as the um, international stage? Because I think for a while there, he was running red hot, and you guys were talking about how that was a good thing for the Roots. Um, is that maybe something you could take out of the the glory season as a as a positive in a sort of a weird um, international way? He did have yeah, a, he sort a good of blew, streak.
2: Blue hot and cold. Yeah, he had a good streak at the first half of the season. Um, yeah, I'd like to see him get back to that form. Um, don't know why he dropped off. Whether he picked up a knock or whether it was he, you know, just the the form slumped. I, I can't recall what happened to him in the season, but I mean, he's clearly he's clearly got something.
0: Yeah. Strikes me as the kind of player that I wouldn't be surprised if there's a bit of an attitude problem there. And that, because this is, he, he seems to have had, never really had a, like a consistent run of games. And I don't think that's just a coincidence that like he's kind of, like he kind of fell out at the raw, didn't he? Correct me if I'm wrong. Um, and now he's, kind of it's been stop start and it's not really working i think even at, at the glory so it wouldn't be surprised if he goes on to a third a-league team and i don't know we'll probably see him at the mariners next season
2: i'd have Dino um, back at the raw
0: that's fair aside. enough <laughs> all right let's keep moving though uh colby you're up next with the jets take it away
2: oh ah uh, the jets um yeah this another season another season that's you know the, the course of their season was pretty much set before they'd kicked a ball and um in pre-season when they had carl robinson uh Ebene and troisi leave them amid that ownership uncertainty and then you had the owners and then you also walk out on them um halfway through the season or partway through the season Uh, With all that in mind, I'd actually give them a pass. I'd give poor old Craig Deans a a pass and the squad a pass. Um, They avoided the spoon. They finished 11th um, or even though they finished 8th in uh, season 2019-20. Yeah, just just the fact that the club was under such turmoil and – you know, it was basically being held together by Craig Deans and some leftover strapping tape that wasn't already being used on Bougard's knees. Um, the, the fact that they didn't get the spoon was nothing short of a miracle for me. So um, I love that they still managed to play some decent football at times um, with Yule and O'Donovan early on in the season. They played some really attractive stuff. And then um, the feel-good story of the 16-year-old Archie Goodwin later on in the season... Um, I hated that they just continue to be a club that has no investment um, player and personnel exodus and uncertainty that that all comes with a cost and, and usually that's um, you know that that bloated middle part of a of a season we're coming to know and love with the Jets um, and that was highlighted by being tonked by Adelaide 4-1 um, right in the middle of that um, big slump this year so low light obviously was losing their own as manager and key players Highlight avoiding the spoon on the last day of the season by beating Melbourne City, the, the premiers and eventual champions. So uh good on the Jets. Um and and they'll be looking forward to, you know, they're another club. Um, we talked about the Mariners, and I'm sure whoever's reviewing them will um will talk about the, the crossroads that they're at, but the Jets are just another one of those clubs that um, you know, now they've got Arthur Pappas in, um, Cammy Devlin, who's a big in. Um, and looking to retain um, Joey C and Donachie, the returning loanees, as well as um, re-contract a bunch of their other talented youngsters. So they they seem like they could be at a turning point. But more on that in the season preview in uh, you know five or six weeks time.
0: Looking forward to it. Pretty pretty exciting off season, I guess for for Jets fans. I think with uh, with Bappas coming in, already seen Cam, De- Cam Devlin come in, like you say. So uh, hopefully they they build a strong season, a strong squad for next season. Uh, thanks, Colby. Next up is Jesse with, with Melbourne victory. Obviously, uh, had a pretty tasty season. So, uh, take it away, Jesse. Go on, lad. <laughs> Get comfortable. Get comfortable,
3: boys. Um, wow. Well, they finished 12th. Okay. Listen, that's <laughs> the wooden spoon. Um, if you didn't know, and um,
0: that's, that's listen, the lowest it's a- ever A League finish for any <laughs> club ever. No one's that's ever a finished
3: that's 12th. a fight. That's um, <laughs> <laughs> it's a fail for me um and um I, I know that might sound a bit harsh but it's a fail and you know when you said what you loved and hated about their season i think i spent more time trying to find something i loved uh, rather than hated even though you could flip that in, in an oxymoronic kind of way but i didn't really love anything about it um if we go to hated <laughs> we'll skip we'll skip to that 62 yellow cards equal with mcballs is the most in the league that's ill-discipline, killing them week in, week out. The impact of some of their signings just did with five goals, McManaman with four. These are the players that we were gassing up as as uh, players in the preseason, and that's just not good enough. And also some of the off-the-field ugly scenes, um, club turning on itself and others. Now, facetiously, as a person who doesn't like Melbourne Victory, You know, I can sit there for the first few minutes and have a laugh, but after a while, it gets pretty depressing when you see um, inter club fighting, and then also just people just having to go at each other, kids and different ages, and it just got really messy and ugly. And it just no one wants to see that at any club in the A League. So um, it was it it was one of those things where they really need to press the reset button and go back to sort of the 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 values that the club was built on because they um, they really started to sort of turn on themselves uh, at certain stage of the season there. Um, that was shown with some of their low lights. Most goals conceded with 60. Um, to put that in perspective, we were the nearest on 47. 5-2 five two, five two loss to Brisbane in February, 6-0 loss to Melbourne City in March, 7-0 loss to Melbourne City in April, 6-1 loss to Western United in May. And this is a team that, you know, through all our lives, when we've watched the A-League, have been, you know top of the top of the league and dominating and it's just it almost seems unthinkable that they could be getting tonked um so badly so plenty of low lights um i I just throw a highlight in there and that's their one all draw with melbourne city in the final round Um, (laughs) they did actually show hard in that
0: game to be fair to them (laughs) it's grim
3: but it's i mean I'm not gonna I'm not gonna sit here and, and kick them while they're down because one of the things I said in the preview of the season is that the obvious issue for me and in, in layman's terms is that they don't replenish their squad and they don't bring youth players through enough consistently to build something and clearly what we're seeing the way that football's going is that academies and teams need to to, to come through they're going to allow these players to come through I know Sydney kind of um, were a little bit different in the sense that they they kind of let players come through and they pushed them down again. But, but Melbourne Victory needed to let those players come through, and they brought a lot of foreigners over who didn't fire, um, and then they just didn't look like they cared for a big part of the season. And I think that made the club really, really irate, and the fans really, really irate as well. So I think um, they really have some soul searching to do in the off season because you can't get any lower. So this has got to be the lowest ebb in their history as far as I'm concerned so um boys I don't know if there's anything you want to add to it but it's there was really very few positives for me to draw out of the season I mean we we had there's a few players who who are okay at times we talked about their left back I think it was at the start of the season to look sharp um but who's gone to the woo
1: now
0: he's gone to the woo so I can't even get (laughs) a positive out of that um (laughs) Yeah. I, I think <laughs> the one positive of the season is that um like Brebner and Kane are gonna move on and that Popovich is coming in. Like uh, Popovich we know Well like mm. Popovich we know we know that they're at least going to be uh committed and they're gonna be determined next season and they may not win anything next season, but they're gonna be a thousand times more competitive than they were this season. So that, that can only be positive signs, I think, for um for the victory moving forward. All right. Um. Thanks, cool. Jesse, for they that. They just um, need a plan, Tommy. They need a plan. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh. Next up is Melbourne Victory's uh, uh neighbors, Melbourne City. Uh. Melbourne City finally grabbed a season by the horns. This, this year, they played fantastic attacking football. Um. But were also resolute at the back. Um. This team had quality all over the pitch. Curtis Good and Nuno Hash uh, were incredibly and Mayo. incredible and and consistent at the back. Um, inverted fullbacks were on show once again. Craig Noon had his best season yet um, in the A-League. Nabu was fantastic when fit. Uh, Connor Metcalf really blossomed into a complete midfielder capable of playing as a six or an eight. Um, and of course obviously J-Mac went Pongo scoring 27 goals in 26 games. So um, there were important contributions from the whole squad though. Roston Griffiths, he stepped up massively late uh, on in the season. Um, and youngsters Steph Kolikowski and Marco Tilio also scored important goals and provided real quality and energy off of the bench. So look, can't really get much better season than than this season that City have just had. I mean, it's it's almost hard to find a negative other than it's just hard to hard to match the standard that they that they set this season. Um, it, it really like sometimes we talk about I guess the quality of of the A League and sort of how it matches up against other te- uh, other leagues around the world. And I'm and I'm not going to go out on a limb and compare it to to another league right now. But I, I just felt like watching City. They they were a fantastic watch and not just sort of by A League standards, but I thought they were just a great watch. In general. So um, that's probably the ultimate uh, positive view or compliment you can give them. Um, Their highlight of this season, undoubtedly outside of, I guess, winning two trophies, their first two A-League trophies, uh, was the aggregate derby score against Melbourne Victory of 14-1 across uh, the three games. Um, And so... Yeah, look, it's it's really hard to go past that because, I mean, like the 6-0 was uh, was massive for, for City, but to then go and better that um, the next time around, which I, I think was only about a month later or a couple of weeks later, was just massive. And I think um, while City, I think they, they're going to have their hands full retaining titles next season, um, they're going to have a very upset neighbour next year who really is going to be baying for blood. So th- those next derbies next year, City versus Victory, man, they're going to be explosive. And I can't wait because um hopefully we'll be at them um, and we'll be able to watch a bit more football live next year so um just a great season i guess for for melbourne city um Next up, though, is me with MacArthur. So, uh, <laughs> MacArthur Bulls, uh, they had their inaugural season this year. A uh, bit of a strange old season. Like, even in the preview show, we couldn't really figure out where they were going to finish. No one really knew much of sort of what to expect other than that they'd sort of had like a, a pretty decent squad that they'd built. Um, they ended up finishing sixth, um, and I thought that they played some pretty good passing football at times. Um Ante Milicic's, uh, Milicic's squad was packed full of Australian and international experience. Uh, Milligan again showing his leadership uh, while we saw the real Sasueta uh, after he was unshackled and left to run the show basically wherever he wanted in most games. And it was a real different Sasueta to the, uh, to the one that we saw last year at Melbourne City. Um, we got to see how, how good he can be and, and he pretty much just ran some games, which was exciting to watch. Um, I give military a pass this season. Ultimately, they they made finals. I thought they played some good football at times. Um, but they did kind of remind me of all of the worst parts of sort of Barcelona where sometimes they would just pass the ball sideways time after time and you would just almost like it just wasn't a particularly exciting football at times. Um Tommy Orr as a wingback was also a really strange uh, moment. What from what felt like it was from a parallel uniform uh, universe or something like that. Um, and but boys, I, I do just want to go out on a limb and say that um, I love the cowbells. Um, after watching nearly all of their games this year, this year, I can proudly say that I'm not sick of them still. Um, they remind me of a, a, a bit more uh, the way that they were used, sorry, in some of the games, they remind me of a slightly uh more offensive version of the cricket polite clap after a nice cover drive on day four of a test match, you know, like the <laughs> sort of here, like the ding ling 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 after a nice passing move or a good tackle or something like that. So, um and I don't know, like I, I tell just me, felt like telling Go on, Jesse.
3: When you said you were when you said you're gonna go out on the limb, I just wanted to know if, what what sort of limb you were talking, is it your T-bone, um, your rump? Um, you know, like what, what, what limb are we talking here?
0: What's your preferred? Man, I'll just say the stakes were pretty high when uh when I went out on on, on that limb. That's that's all I'm gonna say. <laughs> um, ultimately, though, I, I thought the the cowbells they did add a, a really nice sort of extra bit of eccentricity to the to the league, and I know they're not everyone's uh, cup of tea or glass of milk or whatever you want to call it. But uh, look, I, I hope the club stick with it, and I hope that it sort of it, it catches on and, and stays a part of the club's uh, club's culture. Um, Boys, uh that's that's all I had for MacArthur. I'm not sure if anyone else wanted to jump in with anything else. Uh but otherwise, before we jump into Central Coast with Damo, take it away, mate.
1: Yeah, I mean, where where do you start with with Central Coast? They um I think in, in the preview the one of the questions was what is there to be excited about for, for Mariners fans? And I said, absolutely nothing. Um so you know, in in hindsight it probably wasn't a bad comment to make at the time, but it looks pretty stupid after what happened throughout the season. It, you know, it, I think the A-League is, is a better league when the Mariners are playing well. Um, everyone, they're always a feel good story when they play well, when when they're performing well, you, the atmosphere, of their games is great. They've got a beautiful stadium and um, you know, whether this was a pass or a fail season, it's a given, it's, it's a huge pass both for, the club as a whole, um, and, you know, some individuals and particularly the manager who, um, you know, he, he was brilliant all year and, and proved that he he is a high-quality manager after the whole situation that happened with leaving the Matildas and and how that ended so poorly and turning up in the A-League and doing what he did at Central Coast and, and some of the players that had kind of turnaround seasons this year in, um, Ruan Tonyik, who's made a Socceroos debut and now off to the Olympics, Jack Clisby, who's now called Clisbinho after the season he had, but Roberto and, Clisby, yeah, Roberto Clisby <laughs> he's got many nicknames now. Ginger and Gareth Bale. <laughs> the um the rise of Ali Kual. You know, there was there's just and I, I think I, I loved that they, they played so well and you know, at times it kind of felt it was a bit of a Leicester City vibe to it in terms of You know, every week on the pod, we were kind of asking, you know, when is this ride going to be over? When are they going to start playing poorly? And it never really seemed to come. Everyone just kind of um, turned their head and went, okay, well, the Mariners are a pretty good side. And, um, you know, towards the end of the season, there were a few results that didn't go their way. But ultimately, they finished third um, in, what was it, incredibly successful season. Um, The highlight has to be that first half of the season where they're on top of the league and... And it just seemed, you know, what what is going on here? Um, but but the low light um is you know what's everyone talking about, what everyone's talking about now is this seemingly return to mediocrity is, as quick as their rise was. Um the manager's leaving, and I'm pretty sure we spoke about this last week that you know for for the manager for, for Alan Stegic, it's this, this was the best decision he could have made was to leave. His stock will never be higher. He'll never get a bigger contract anywhere at a, at a better side because he can't really get better than what he did at Central Coast this year in terms of um, negotiating himself a new deal. And But I, I think it, especially the, the player exodus that came with him leaving, um, you know, some of the players that have already already left, you know, Kowal signed away halfway through the season to go to Stuttgart next year. Um, apparently Ron Tonyik is now getting some interest to go elsewhere and the Olympics is only going to help that interest Um, Daniel De Silva is leaving Jack Clisby is leaving Um, you know it's some some of their best players this season um, that made their season are all kind of you know questioning why they're at the club and and what direction the club is going and it's it's just kind of a return to the norm for central coast and i feel like it's really disappointing for their fans after the season they had to come crashing down so quickly where it's like oh here we go back to reality um which which is really unfortunate um but we'll guess we'll see cuz you know charlesworth and and the people that own the mariners have been trying to sell it for years and and maybe this season was going to be something that made them worth more but you know after the way it's unfolded at the end of the year it, it kind of feels like it's as we were 12 months ago or, you know, as we were at the end of last season where in the preview, we're probably going to be talking about Central Coast towards the bottom of the league again. Um, Yeah. So that's really all I had about Central Coast. It's, you know, an an amazing season. I don't think we can, we can, we can talk about it enough, how well they did, but for the way it's finished and the way everything's unfolded after the season finished, it's, it's, Devastating and, and disappointing, and really sour note to the year. Yeah, a real
0: bittersweet sort of season, right? Like we had that super saccharine sweet uh, beginning to the season, then they had sort of a, they did have a bit of a lull in the middle of the season, and they were probably lucky that everyone else was so inconsistent across the league that, um, and and then they did finish strongly. But now, I guess, like you say, we've got that into the season where we've already got a bunch of key players leaving, manager leaving, and, um. Yeah, it's sort of they're almost like they're back at where they began, right? So, um, I, I really have no idea what to expect from from the Wanderers next. Uh, sorry, from the Mariners next season as a result of that. Like, you you don't know if they're going to sort of stabilize a little bit now um, after sort of the vibe around the club has changed a bit, or if they're going to um, go back to sort of old ways. Um, thanks for that, Damo. Uh, only two more left. Uh, next up is Brisbane Roar with Colby. Take it away.
2: The Raw Boys um, finished fourth uh, after finishing fourth last season. Um, the the, the Gasman, um, he, he's done well in his first full season in charge. It, I mean, two fourth place finishes, but both they just have such a different feeling to them. Um, the season this year started off with that bang. Um, very close to the start of the season, we had that five-two over the victory. Um, stagnated for a bit before that solid run at the back end of the season with that run of games undefeated um, I think I'd still um, give the squad and the manager a pass um, they made finals again and played some pretty attractive football um, weird middle of the season with the games in hand I think sort of psyched them out a little bit like same same deal with Perth but um, ultimately I think they've played the the best football I've seen the role play in in a number of years and um, loving the exciting attacking football they're playing, um, a good mix of possession and transition play, um, and the Queensland-led rebuild under Mooney and the pivot towards developing that young local talent instead of sort of going, you know, gambling on, um, trying to bring in um, 30-something-year-old marquees. I think it's been really successful and I hope that continues. Um, hated the inconsistency um, and, and I felt, that Mooney was a bit of a reactive manager in his first season. Um, he, he was often successfully reacting. He'd often um, change the games with his substitutions at halftime um, and he'd react to whatever the other team or the other manager would were doing. But I, I would like to see him get a little bit more on the front foot with how he um, sets his teams out and how he, um, yeah, just how he manages the entire games. And I also hated for the crest, this new uh, slogan or hashtag for this season. I absolutely fucking hate it. Like, just get, put it in the bin now. <laughs> um, <laughs> highlight, uh, the emergence of uh, Alex Parsons and Kai True and both saw big minutes towards the end of the season um, and looking forward to watching their development next season. Uh, Lowlight, uh, Mooney putting Aldred in a bit underdone in that semifinal and costing the Raw the match. Uh, and losing Dylan Wenzel-Halls at the end of the season hurts. Um, as much as raw fans will tell you it doesn't, um, I'm sure the Gaz would have tried to keep him as he was headlining that Queensland rebuild at the club, but um, ultimately they they couldn't do it. Um, and so that's, that's a little bit disappointing, even though he did stagnate a little bit uh, in terms of his individual form at the end of the season. I think he's a really brilliant young prospect, a local boy and a fan of the club. So um, that's a shame. That's a shame to to lose him, but hopefully we can all watch him develop at the Roo, at the Woo, and turn into a Roo. Um, <laughs> so next season, yeah, next season they'll be they'll be looking forward to just continuing that. They've lost a slew of double barreled names, which we mentioned last week, and we'll mention on the preview pod as well. Um, and they're starting to they're starting to get in some interesting looking players, including Nikola Miljoznic, formerly of Adelaide United, apparently faster than Haaland, but who knows. <laughs>
0: <laughs> thanks very much colby um that was uh in particular that preview of yours uh on the brisbane raw pretty much was uh exactly how their season panned out um so uh well done on a great prediction and uh pretty solid season for the roar as well um finally to wrap things up we've got damo with adelaide um do take it away Hopefully it's more yeah. accurate than uh, your season preview.
1: Yeah, look, as is the theme with this pod, pretty much all of my takes were, were horrible in our season <laughs> preview. So uh, we'll stick with the theme and we'll go on to Adelaide. We, we heard earlier in my um, roll the tapes, I predicted them to finish 10th. Um, I, I, I And I did that because I, I was concerned that they hadn't replaced the the players that they'd left with, that had left with enough quality. Um and then I, I think it was a few players that stood up um, that really filled those holes. And and my biggest question around um, Adelaide and, and why I've given them a big pass was particularly at the back and in, in through their midfield, um, they had a question around who was going to play in goals. They had three goalkeepers that had played one A-league game between them, and, and I was concerned how that was going to play out, but Delianov... Who was a signing? Who came in from the Wu? Who was their third string keeper? Stood up and had an absolutely cracking season, um, which culminated with a a man of the match performance against Brisbane in the elimination final. That um, that got them through to a semi final. Um, and another one who I think for me was a huge standout was was Josh Cavallo. So he he came from the Wu, um, was released because was you know was an afterthought there and signed a one-year contract at Adelaide and he, he started off the season playing you know filling in at left and right back f- for some injuries and he became such a mainstay in the squad that he actually went into midfield and, and was starting games in midfield through to the end of the season so he's he's deservedly earned himself a, a two-year contract at the back of that season and it was you know players like him and and Stefan Mork who stood up and and obviously my, my boy, Craig Goodwin, came back um, after we did the the preview pod. So he, he came in and um, he's a big asset for the club and hopefully they can keep him. I want to keep him in the A-League. He ended up scoring eight goals and and five assists in 18 games. So um, I love that he returned. That, that was my – I love that for Adelaide this season. Um, and I, I hated that they were uh, – they were a lot better than i thought they would be. Let's let's say that is my hated this season. Um cuz i've i've got some friends from Adelaide and and one of them was in my ear especially after the Brisbane game. So uh i wasn't too uh, too happy with Adelaide doing doing well. Um i think a highlight for the season for for Adelaide was is beating, you know, your rival side on on their own turf and and they came to Melbourne and destroyed Melbourne victory pretty emphatically. It ended up 3-1. And it was the it was the rise of kseni Yengi in the same game that's, you know, celebrating in front of the front of the Victory fans with the billionaire Strut and, and getting his <laughs> his TikToks out there. So um, yeah, and I think the other highlight of the season for, for Adelaide was was going up to Queensland and, and beating Brisbane in a final, the first team to to ever do that in Queensland the the eleventh attempt uh, a team has gone up to Brisbane and tried to win a final and and it's also the first time Adelaide won a final away from home so a huge highlight for them and and they did that without Craig Goodwin as well who was injured in the last game of the regular season um, the I think the low light and I'm I'm sure you guys well it could be it could be seen as a highlight if if you want it but it was um it was the whole shenanigans that went on between Stefan Mork and and uh, Neil Kilkenny in the in a game early on in the season they, they were up 1-0 at half time and, and Mork had a few comments to say about Kilkenny and you know it was it's not a good look from from your captain and, you know such a meaningless stash to have but uh you know Kilkenny had the last laugh that game when uh, Perth turned it around and won 2-1 so it made made Mork look like a little bit of an idiot there in my opinion and I think you know but look if, if that's the low light of your year uh, you know uh a straight comment from your captain at half time then you've had a pretty good year as a team and um yeah all, all credit to adelaide i didn't expect them to be any good at all as, as we heard in my <laughs> in my preview and and in the roll of the tape section but yeah look they, they were really good to watch at times and and i particularly enjoyed um the crowds they were getting there in adelaide and, and the way the fans got behind the team again it was one of the teams that were probably least affected by COVID in terms of going to the stadium, um, South Australia has been been pretty lucky and pretty good there. So, um, yeah, it was really good to see some of the crowds they had and some of the noise that those crowds are making at their home games. Makes it a really tough place to go and win games. And yeah, it, it's Adelaide's another one of those sides where I think the league is better off when Adelaide are playing well, and we, we don't have these the enormous clubs like Melbourne Victory and Sydney. Um, and, and the cashed-up clubs like City around the top. People like to see Central Coast, Adelaide, these kind of clubs around the top. So, yeah, here's his to a better season next year for Adelaide, I'm, I'm picturing. They were
3: keen as mustard, um, and I don't, say that, <laughs> I don't say that lightly because every time I saw their away kit, I felt like a cheeseburger. <laughs>
1: <laughs> hey, Is that's that- one thing <laughs> I did get right on my preview of Adelaide United was that they had 10 out of 10 home and away kids. <laughs>
0: I I think that away cheeseburger kit is going to become a real cult classic because – and we don't – I can't say we've got that many A-league cult classic uh, kits, but I think that is one that in 10 years' time we're going to look back at that and go, jeez, that was a good kit. Mm. Um, Jeez,
1: that was a good kit. (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
0: Well, boys, uh, look, that wraps up uh, our season review pod for for 2021. Uh, Why am I calling it 2021? Anyway, um, finally, a big thank you to all of our listeners and contributors this season. Obviously, uh, strange season for us on the pod as well. Uh, with me overseas, and it meant that it was a bit tricky for us. Uh, so I appreciate you all hanging there, uh, all of the listeners each week and listening to us um, doing pods. Uh, we didn't have a lot of consistency either with who was, who was on the pod and when, but um, we had a lot of fun doing the pod as always. Um, thank you for everyone uh, in our little, I guess, uh, community on Facebook and Twitter uh, for contributing every week, giving us questions to talk about, keeping us honest whenever we just throw out some garbage chat um, and and just interacting with us every week. It, it, it makes it really worthwhile and we re- really appreciate your interaction each week. Um, Don't forget, if you do enjoy the pod, please give us a recommendation on Facebook or review us on Apple Podcasts. It does help us reach a a bigger audience and help us grow sort of the community around the pod. Um, But look, that's a wrap for this season. Um, It's been a hell of a lot of fun. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, We'll be doing our Premier League preview pod um, in around early August. I I can't remember when the first game is uh, again, but um, it's around then. Um, But look, until then,
2: enjoy the football. Right.